When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> Were you air violining? Air violining, bro. Nice, I missed it. It's yeah. kind of more of an air cello. Air cello? Yeah, different, Might have been an air cello. Spread those legs. Yeah. Play that it was air a string. cello. It was a string instrument. <laughs> All right. Yep. Electric. That came across. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I thought so. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is uh, <laughs> Bigfoot Collectors Club, yeah. the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Uh, Bryce Johnson. And our super producer. Riley Bray. And with us today, uh, our guest, you just heard her lovely voice. She's a writer and actor whose work includes the turn. Tournament of Nerds, I knew I was going to stumble on that one, Gay of Thrones, and the new animated series, Infinity Train. She's also the co-host of the podcast, Teen Creeps. Boys and girls, please give a proud Club Scout salute to Lindsay K. Ty. Yay! Thank you for having me. That was an excellent intro. Maybe the best one I've ever been a part of. Oh, I'm very... Proud of myself, I guess. <laughs> As uh, you should be. You, um, you did the work. If you do the best, you should be proud. Talk about Teen Creeps for a moment, would you? Sure. What's it the podcast? I a... think our listeners are really going to like it. I hope. I love some crossover listeners. Cool. Um, it is a podcast about 80s and 90s YA pulp fiction, YA horror. So if you were in R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike, Caroline B. Cooney, Lois Duncan, General Point Horror Series fan. Uh, it's the podcast for you. I co-host with Kelly Nugent, another writer-actor. She's a host on El Rey Network and TBS. Fantastic. We got a relation to uh, Ted Nugent? Yes, she is his wife. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. You're, no, you're, fool, you're playing. You're fooling me. No. I was like, how many Nugents are no. there in this world? Different Nugent. Different, different Nugent. Yeah. Okay. Had to ask. <laughs> a little younger. Yeah. Okay. So you're a big reader. Mm-hmm. It, are you? Did you graduate from teen books? Yeah, I went straight into Stephen King. <laughs> okay, great. I was too scared to read that stuff growing up. I did not get into horror until like my 20s. So all those books you just, there was no way I would read them. No connection. No. I, I, I mean, I like the covers and you know i don't think my sister read that stuff my older sister she had like the sweet valley high series we cover a few of those actually i'm reading some right now oh nice okay see i would like to go back and maybe visit all that all all the what if i just got into a sweet valley high Dude, that was <laughs> like, my, like my first gig it. out here sweet valley high really yeah. you're on sweet valley yeah, high yeah started as an extra and then like they gave me like a line it was something like 
like some jock nice. line, but um, <laughs> yeah, Sweet Valley High. You were, of course, in Pretty Little Liars, Bryce. Didn't mm-hmm. you play like a, a, a villainous dude in that? Or yeah, no? like a creepy detective role. Yeah. Yeah, which is right in my wheelhouse. There of... are a fair number of those creepy characters in these books. Oh, creepy yeah. Creepy detectives. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Usually hitting on the team protagonist. Yeah. that's Often yeah. getting together with them. Oh, spicy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like chastely. By the cool. end of the book, Ch- <laughs> I, always, I always did my work chastely. So. Relationship yes. getting together. <laughs> Will you keep up, Lindsay? With like, like when Twilight came out, did you read all of those? Did no, you read, like... I was done by then, oh, and you... I resented Twilight. How come? Because when I was reading vampire books uh, in like 1995, <laughs> it was not cool. It was not in. Right. Uh, people at school didn't think I was a witch, but they thought that I thought I was a witch. Oh. Um, and Maybe it was that pointy Twilight hat you were out. wearing. Yeah, I should. And the nose, the long <laughs> nose. With that big wart. Yeah. I I went very stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> On the nose. Not cute witch, say? not the craft. <laughs> I <sorry>. went... <laughs> <laughs> Wizard of Oz, Wicked Witch yeah. of the West Witch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Twilight came out and everybody was reading Twilight. And I was like, well, where were you when I was reading these mm. books? And also the like power dynamic was flipped. In the vamp- like my favorite series of books is The Last Vampire written by Christopher Pike. There were six of them. Uh, okay. And she was the vampire. And she had all the power. Oh. Mm. And then in Twilight, the main character is big old klutz they gave it who to has Pat. to be saved all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's... Yeah. So I resented it. But we covered it on the podcast. Not nearly. I think it gets way too much shit that well, it doesn't deserve. It's it's a perfectly fine, you gotcha. know, fun read. And how about Harry Potter? I mean, so as a fan of reading, and I love reading, I mean, that book just exploded into kids' uh, minds, and they were totally down for reading. Is that a good yeah. thing? Uh, in both cases, I'd say good thing. Harry Potter, much better written. Yeah. I like the Harry Potter books a lot. I was already too, whole, too old by the time they came out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I graduated high school in 2000, so. Okay, okay. She You're... had her uh, mythology down. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Anne Rice, where are you on the vampire Lestat? I have not read an Anne Rice Oh, interesting. Book. Yeah. I read Interview with a Vampire in high school, like I, around the time the movie oh, came yeah. out. I okay. haven't read it yet. Fair enough. Yeah. Never did Vampire Lestat. I heard that's the better one. Then there's Queen of the Damned. And then she wrote a book on Jesus. Mm. Oh, yeah. She got really into Jesus. Really? Yeah. I think she's got, if no, I'm, I'm sure our listeners know this, but she did like... I think one about when he was a little boy, and I think she was going to do a book about his entire life. <laughs> Jesus in grade Google school. But yeah. she hasn't gotten there yet? No, I don't no. know. I don't know. I haven't checked in in a while. She's still alive, right? Yeah, yeah she is. Um, Come sit at our lunch table, Jesus. Not. <laughs> I re- Get out of here, man. Nobody gets me. I recently found this random book that I put on the Instagram. If you're listening, this will be a couple weeks ago, so you can scroll down and find it. It's called Big Bigfoot doesn't square dance, <laughs> and it's part of a series called the Bailey School Kids. I don't that know. Sounds if, familiar. And every one of their books is like the Loch Ness monster doesn't juggle. Bigfoot doesn't square <laughs> dance. Like uh, 
But I, you have to look at this cover. This I is was confused amazing. by that cover because on the cover, Bigfoot is clearly square yeah, dancing. He is absolutely right. square so, dancing. So that's a lie. It's reconcile it that. Is. Yeah, totally. It's, it's <laughs> In fact, he looks like he's forcing scared children <laughs> yeah. to yeah. square he's dance. He's like super yeah. into square dancing. Kind of like a so redneck Bigfoot. And he's too. Wearing, yeah, he's yeah. wearing a full Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> it just is either a denim lie head to toe or a giant spoiler. Maybe he's break God. break dancing. Yeah, there. they still keep they still teach square dancing in school today my kids are learning square really? dancing i'm like what the fuck for we live yeah. in los angeles i've never <laughs> taken them to a hoedown barn barn dance we're fighting to, to teach that. evolution and they're uh, yeah. teaching square dancing <laughs> yes yes i had to do that in fourth grade yeah, in San Diego. i quite enjoyed it myself yeah. learning it but <laughs> here, yeah. here are some of the books I just broke it up with my boyfriend oh no yeah. when you, during a square in dance fourth grade that would yeah. be a good way to do it <laughs> did you dump him uh did it Dump your partner round and round. Remember? (laughs) I mean, it was a while ago, to be fair. Did not. Mm. Wow. You'd think I'd remember that, but it was a bad ending. Bad fourth grade breakup. I got dumped in the fifth grade by my fifth grade girlfriend um, for Joey McIntyre. Bastard. I still remember that. Joey Max. Wait. I came in like not for real. Okay. I was going to believe you because Hollywood. Right. No, I grew up in Kansas. (laughs) So, I mean, that's why I'm in Hollywood. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Literally, (laughs) she said, I'm in love with Joe Bird now. And then she broke up with me so she could be in an imaginary relationship. Thus, thus kicking off like a string of, of relationships where I would just fall in love with emotionally unavailable women for Mm. a good portion of my life mm. still single by the way um <laughs> all right so here's some of these books mermaids don't run track i mean that checks out <laughs> yeah and on this right. this one she, way more believable than bigfoot but exactly. she's literally wearing a jogging outfit on the cover what is up with these covers monsters don't scuba dive there's a monster scuba diving hmm. Frankenstein doesn't start food fights, and he's tossing what looks like to be a bowl, a, uh, okay. a scoop of ice cream I over his shoulder. Smugly, they got a formula here. Yeah, there's a formula like, to yeah. this. Yeah. Skeletons don't play tubas. There is playing one playing a tuba, playing a tuba, <laughs> as if a kid's got to like. Wait a minute, he's doing it on the cover. Let me crack this <laughs> book. Get into this mystery. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Aliens don't wear braces. Those are awesome. It looks like she's a tall Nordic. Right. <laughs> it looks like she's a ghost. <laughs> yeah, she's well, she's one so of the tall. So in that one, I guess it's true. She's like one of the tall whites. Mm. That's mm. like a type of alien. Um, and then ogres don't eat, don't hunt Easter eggs. All right, this I feel like we're we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> um, and it literally says it's an excellent adventure. Uh, <laughs> if you listen, or if you if you're listening and you read these books. Uh, please write to us at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com and tell us what we are missing out on. Um, also, share all of your personal paranormal uh, stories with us at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com, and we'll read them on a future episode of the show. There you go. All right, Lindsay. Hi. Uh, welcome to the clubhouse. Thank you for having me. We, we're so, so excited pleasure. you're here. And also, uh, it's a busy news week here at Bigfoot Collectors Club. So uh, strap in because we've got some... BCC News! Well done. Some serious production value here. Wow. (laughs) I'm really impressed. I mean, we are sitting in a full... 
fully decked out clubhouse. Absolutely. Well, you know, I have a piece of news here for you. As soon as I let my wife get, uh, well, you're getting text? Oh, Wi-Fi's off. No. Okay. Oh, I, th- I thought your wife was texting. <laughs> you. No, no, no. My Wi-Fi. I've got a. It's uh, over. Oh, okay. Don't come home. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> no. That's enough Bigfoot for you, Bryce. <laughs> Russian scientists claim Earth is a reserve quarantine by aliens. Hmm. Wait, what? Russian scientist claims Earth is a reserve quarantined by aliens. Like we're being uh, quarantined from yeah, everyone okay. else? Yeah, from, okay. uh, from other alien civilization. Paul Seaburn writes for, uh, at Mysterious Universe, One of Russia's top astronomers and head of the SETI Scientific and Cultural Center recently gave an extensive interview with RIA Novosti, in which he shared some interesting observations, including... That he believes one reason why we have not yet encountered extraterrestrials, in his opinion, is because they may be keeping us in a, quote, reserve, um, where contact and uh, cannot interfere with our development, a kind of Russian version of the Star Trek Prime Directive. He also believes focusing on repeating fast radio bursts may be a mistake, a little foreshadow there, that Mm. could cause SETI researchers to miss other signals, signals that we may not recognize yet. Is he right? Um, Of course, we're not alone. The question is not whether they exist, but where they exist. Alexander Panov, a leading researcher at the Institute of Nuclear Physics of Moscow, uh, head of SETI Scientific and Cultural Center, blah, 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 blah. Uh, <laughs> God, a, I always wrap love, it just up. wrap it this up, dude, a, with your credits. Segment. Graduated I, here and went to there and has a boo, 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 boo. My favorite part of BCC News is whenever Bryce yeah, suddenly becomes interest. bored with his own yeah. story. Yeah, I'm, he just skips, yeah, I'm not even going to finish. I'll, I'll, I'll sum up for him. He's basically saying that, you know, that there's these galactic Every time. federations yeah. and that they're just kind of like, let Earth do its thing, let them develop. You know, we can't interfere with where they're going. You know, they may send like a um you know like a scout down to like sort of you know check in on us every now and then tag us tag us and but for the most part we're in a we're in a quarantined zone of the uh of the universe but why i was gonna say is it so by the end it was like oh prime directive we don't want to interfere in their development that's basically it not as advanced yet but when you started reading the story i was like i get it because we're terrible we'd infect others Mm -hmm. yeah that's Mm -hmm. where my mind went yeah that's what i thought i thought they were like yeah they put us here and they're like don't go anywhere within six solar systems of this yeah like your planet disease (laughs) we cannot have you well maybe that's where it was going i I don't know i'm not gonna finish it so <laughs> you know, come up with it for yourself. That's uh, I mean the phrase prime directive. Yeah, no, that kind of gives it away. But it. is I, this guy just basing this on personal speculation or where is this coming yeah, from? Yeah, so yeah, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, he had some ideas. I, wrote, yeah. I, read the article. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it does make sense to me that they're just like not getting involved because it's like they clearly, you know, they're observing, they're not trying to uh steer necessarily yeah. again this is that benign like rationalization that all these aliens that we see come from out there you know all a, the aliens we fr- see from another place <laughs> well, yeah they, that they come from out <laughs> there and i and i and i'm just uh, i'm opposed to that uh ideology i guess i would say i i think it's more coming from you know these things that we witness and experience they're more coming from here and that there's not so much out there that we've had contact with i may be wrong but that's just my opinion when you say here do you mean like under the sea 
No, I, I mean, I mean, um, you started that and I finished it with C, but like <laughs> way too early. I was like, C, under C, under C, get C, there. C under Michael, C. get there. This Not is that like... you hadn't got there, but I was like, that's the only word that can finish this. I almost said ground because of my Disney training. <laughs> right, right. You nailed it. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, well. Uh, mostly from um, this earth and the inner dimensions that lie within here. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think it's a dimensional thing, an ultra terrestrial thing. I'm not so much sure that there's, you know, I don't know. I could be wrong. You know, there's cases that uh, that show evidence otherwise. So I don't know. This thing's such a mystery. <laughs> um, well, speaking of mysteries and visitors from outer space, I have an article here from people.com. Oh, it's, it was originally published on CNN, but they picked up the story, and it was a little bit easier for me to read. Great. Um, <laughs> great, great. An object in deep space sends radio signals to Earth every 16 days, and researchers don't know why. You've yeah. heard? You've read, I think I heard about that. It's going around, yeah. I, I saw a tweet about that. Yeah. <laughs> you should. That's big news. I probably People saw should a tweet know about, about this. Yeah. Scientists Good. have discovered a series of radio waves 500 million light years away that seem Seems to be following a pattern. Researchers can't figure out why. Scientists have zeroed in on an area of the sky where fast radio bursts, FRBs, mm -hmm. have occurred every 16.35 days, according to CNN. FRBs typically release just once, but if they repeat, it's almost always in an erratic cluster. This is the first time an FRB has been seen following a uniform pattern. The discovery of a 16.35-day period, uh, periodicity, periodicity? periodicity in a repeating FRB source is an important clue to the nature of this object, the authors wrote in the preprint preprint of a paper to be published in ARXIV. I don't know what that is. Their study has been moderated, but not fully peer-reviewed, CNN noted. So anyway, they just, uh, the 16-day progression that scientists observed, the object flashes one to two radio pulses every hour for four days, then goes silent for 12 days before repeating the sequence again. We conclude that this first detected periodicity of any kind in a in an FRB source... Um, oh, they, we conclude that this is the first detected periodicity of any kind. See, this is why I stopped my articles right nope. after the first paragraph. Oh, right, go. <laughs> who, who says periodicity? It's a weird just, word. Just say period. It's yeah, okay. It's a weird word. Anyway, no, that's so they, how they prove... That that's, they that's have the some yeah. kind of degree. I am a scientist. Gotcha. I put this city. This is periodicity. So they tracked the location of the burst to a spiral galaxy 500 million light years from Earth. While this is unimaginably distant from our solar system, it is the closest FRB detected to date. And they think it, they don't know what it is. They think it might be a star. They think it could be like a moon. Uh, there are some thoughts that maybe it's a black hole. They don't know. But, um, you know, what we're all thinking is aliens. Aliens. Do they mention yeah, the I word? Yeah, I don't appreciate the consistency of that because it definitely suggests... Yes, well... Period... Yeah, purposicity oh, of oh, alienism. Well, oh, my God. I the have periodicity a scholar. Degree, so. of the yes. <laughs> if it were an alien beacon, uh, I think... Uh, I, I would think it would emit more quickly... Because of a 16-day period is not efficient for communication, Leon Ustrom of the Netherlands Institute <laughs> Thanks, for <Leon>. Radio Astronomicity <laughs> we'll let told him know. News, <laughs> God. 
you know what? If they were checking in too much, they'd you'd be like, they're too thirsty. Yeah, I think your radio point. bursts are, uh, <laughs> they need to be frequently. a little bit quicker. May I recommend? Uh, ineffective <laughs> communication just ineffective. with this alien life form about which we know nothing. <laughs> Thanks, Leon. <laughs> we don't Wrong. know how they like to communicate. Are you pointing that radio signal towards that quarantine zone again? <laughs> yeah. You've been told. Uh, no. Leave them alone. Uh, so it might just be some like spacey shit, but... Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's it's cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's that's cool. the first right. time we. I think it's amazing. Yeah, for a long time. SETI must have their whistle wet. You know, they're excited. That's what they do, right? Yeah. Shit. It's interesting that it came from both CNN and then got backed up by People instead of like Alien Dash Signal Dot Biz. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like most of the websites that we read here on this podcast, <laughs> CBS was also quoted yeah. in there as well. Hey. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for personal paranormal history with Miss Lindsay Katai. Stay tuned. <laughs> Lindsay, we like to ask all of our guests, Mm -hmm. what is your personal paranormal history? Well, I will say like on the whole, I have always been drawn to new agey type things. Do tell. Um, Like just really wanting to head into like crystal incest. Incense, incensity, in- incest stores, um, <laughs> crystal incest. Just see if they've gotten any phrase. new incest in that week. I think I just found a new search term for my Pornhub. <laughs> I'm sorry, that must be because of my podcast where we read a lot of uh, VC Andrews, or we read the occasional VC Andrews, which is just yeah. full of incest. Mm. Every single one of those, just books. in a new room of the house, every time. Yeah, different siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles. <laughs> Why? Can I sidebar real quick? Yes. Why is VC Andrews obsessed with that's incest? That's a very good question. <laughs> Flowers in the attic, anyone? Mm-hmm. That was one that you guys I think. Know it? Yeah. I think my sister had that one. I would look at the cover and I'd be like, "No, too scary." It and is I, scary. I didn't know what was it was really about. Yeah. But... Uh, it's four siblings get locked in an attic, and the brother and sister fall in love because they're the only people they see. What? For like three years. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It's creepy. It was like when you were a kid. I had a choice between that or where the red fern grows, where like dogs <laughs> die. I was like, this is reading, reading sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Time to flip on some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I get into comic books, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so you were uh, in so sorry, New anyway. Age stuff. You, you, met, you mentioned like you weren't a witch. But that's what a witch would say. I by really the way. wanted to okay. be a witch. <laughs> you did. So when did the when did getting into like ooh witchy or new age stuff? I know they're not you know the same thing, but I think uh, it was just a through line, um, and that's what led me to the books that we read. Gotcha. On Teen Creeps is just and general interest in the supernatural. Mm, uh, the closest um, thing I would say to like an actual experience was. Um, I found out that on the site that the house I grew up in, um, when it was just like a dirt field, uh, a man was hung there. Ooh. Um, well in doubt, not hung. hung. <laughs> um, Didn't no, even he go was there. there. Now he there. was hanged the there. Um, <laughs> it's so, uh, too I, yeah. big. <laughs> and I, it was very frightening. It's taking my entire much. life force. Um, no, he was hanged there. Uh, and then I became up, convinced that there were ghosts in the house. It was you, a very old house. You grew up where? San Diego. 
North Park. Very haunted city, San Diego. An, oh, is it? The Whaley House. Oh, of course. Old Town. Have you been to Whaley, the I Whaley House? I have been to the Whaley House. Was convinced that we walked by that cold spot where a ghost was. <laughs> um, it's just my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I fully believed in ghosts, but the only experience I had was so I told my friend Denise, I was like, my house is totally haunted. And I for some reason, I cut out this photo of a, a like solar eclipse from the newspaper when it happened. That's what I was just like, oh, cool. And I kept it in a little box. And then I found out <laughs> my house was probably haunted. And... So me and my friend Denise got it out, and we we're just like making up some kind of ritual with it. Oh yeah! So we had it folded up. We sat and we held hands around it on the coffee table, and then like I would swear to God till this day that it unfolded slightly, mm-hmm. moved towards her, moved towards me, and then went back in the center. And then we screamed and we ran away. Oh, weird. Whoa. Um, I don't know that that happened, but that's definitely. What we thought happened at the time and what I remember happening still. Yeah. That's wild. That's very ritualistic. I mean, you know, cutting something out, putting energy in it, putting it Mm -hmm. into a box, reopening Mm -hmm. it. What was the connection between, in your mind, the clipping of the eclipse and the ghost? Oh, none. (laughs) None. (laughs) It was like, kind of, I guess, like a Ouija thing. Where it's like, oh, let's see if any spirits move this because of like there's a connection to solar eclipses, which totally. are like a planetary happening that control things we don't understand. It's pretty right. spooky. And so just like weird. There's like a spirit up there up. like, hey, that's you. Go down there. They're messing with eclipses. <laughs> oh, shit. oh shit. I hate being the eclipse ghost. This happens more often than you would think. Um were you into did you ever play an Ouija board or do mm-hmm. light as a feather, stiff as a board, any yeah. of that stuff? Yeah, the Ouija board, kind of a similar thing where like you'd be convinced that it worked sometimes but it never said anything interesting for me mm. and then never was able to make the light as a feather stiff as a board thing work one time one time we did it in our friend's basement and we literally lifted this kid like three or four inches off the ground and it was really strange and then we freaked out and dropped him nice. that's crazy shit. <laughs> it did happen maybe i, I dropped this you. but i think it's anyone that actually worked for it her. totally oh. i don't know i have a very I mean, now I'd say vivid memory, but it was like I had to have been like 10 or 11 years old. Also, it was like one of the smaller kids in our neighborhood. So maybe we were just (laughs) able to pick him up. But it was weird. I remember him coming off like a couple inches and we we all freaked out and dropped him. It's like that girl who levitated in Russia. Exactly like that. That did not happen. That we all know about. That did not happen. That is a special love callback there. (laughs) Um... Did this stuff scare you or were you fascinated by it? I was scared, but I was drawn to it Mm. so much that I like was willing to be scared. Mm. Um, This isn't like a actual supernatural thing happening, but I was so scared that a clown would come out of my shower drain when I was showering from the ages of 10 to 13, I would not shower without somebody else just like hanging out in the bathroom. 
Really? Wow. I would have a panic attack every time a I went to the clown coming out of the drain. Because I saw a scene from it when I was 10. <laughs> That's all it takes. And uh, it's the one where... Uh, Tim Curry comes out of the shower drain at the school right. when the kid's all by himself in the gym <sighs> locker room. And it was terrifying. Wow. And so just whenever I'd like have to turn my back or close my eyes to wash my hair in the shower, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I'd have a panic attack. That was like me trying to fall asleep as a kid. Were you scared of the dark? Sometimes. If like the suddenly i'd have an irrational fear but not always i slept with the lights on until yeah. like high school <laughs> like mm. all the lights were on in my bedroom i could not deal with it and then you realize when you grow up it's just anxiety that's all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i do think there are ghosts but also it's mostly just anxiety so what's your relationship with new age stuff today like where are you I do you own get a crystal? lot of crystals okay let's t- I we haven't talked much about crystals on the show. Really? Can you run? Can you, you give a us a little to talk about crystals? Yeah, run that crystal game, girl. Yeah, um, <laughs> just like general healing energy of crystals. I have grids all over my apartment. It's it sucks What's a grid? because oh, just like a setup of crystals that you've arranged. Uh, um, like there are a lot of books where it's like oh these are certain arrangements that you should do like there's a like tree of life grid Mm -hmm. but i never have um set them up in like a predetermined recommended grid i just set them up in a way that where i'm like that feels right you have like one in your shower drain just to make sure (laughs) i I do have one in my bathroom (laughs) um but that's more for like a positive energy releasing energies that don't serve me so it's like a couple of amethyst uh shungite stone that's supposed to be helpful for forgiveness and releasing grief um a uh just a quartz crystal like tower or point point mm-hmm. um fluorite it's up in there those like purple white energies um i'm wearing a lot of bracelets right now i've got a snowflake obsidian kambaba jasper uh red tiger's eye red jasper blue tiger's eye and regular tiger's eye and then i have because i've been very stressed out about the election (laughs) i have in my pocket a rainbow obsidian oh wow which i don't always have something in my pocket are we gonna negatively charge it if we touch it that's what black stones tend to help with is negative energy it's beautiful like dissipate they they absorb it right yeah that's the idea Mm -hmm. you want to see it sure let's get rid of some (laughs) negative vibes and then the problem is that i have this very rational side of my brain that's like, but this is bullshit, right? <laughs> but I still am wearing all this stuff and it's still around my house. Mm. I just like I decided a couple of years ago, like, fuck it. I'm going all in on crystals Ooh. because I've always been attracted to that shit. I'm finally gonna like own it and put them in my house. Yeah. So and I even have, if like, it's bullshit, I mean they're awesome. Yeah, they, are they just awesome. look nice. You can just yeah. stare at them and like get lost. Mike in them. owns a ton of toys, and I own Christmas. <laughs> Mike that is, is my thing. May we say? Yeah, yeah. Of course, Mike Carlson, past guest, who, uh, as you may remember, was into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as much as we are. Um, here, I'm going to pass this crystal. This is cool. This crystal kind of it's so it's like a mat, has a matte finish. 
except for the edges where it's a bit shinier. This this yep. feels like it could be part of a spaceship. Yeah, that's like pretty wild. Yeah. yeah, I that's like a the cool obsidians. Piece. You know, in that book I'm reading, Secret History of the World, it's basically about esoteric philosophy and and some of the ideas that it that it purports is, you know. Uh, there's an idea that we came from the mineral world and moved into the vegetative world before going on to the animal world and then going on to the human world. So it's part of our lineage, you know, as That's as cool. as from uh, after the Big Bang and how we evolved. And um, so, yeah, minerals are a part of us and we're a part of them, you know. So I think there's that's part of some of the connection that people have with the energy of crystals and, and what they can do and how they make you feel. But I always thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And then even if you don't buy into... Um, that it's it's you can still consider it a way to focus your mind and energy like oh i'm holding this one it's all about dissipating negative energy and like healing your heart or whatever and so then if you hold on to it that's like kind of at the forefront of your brain Right, totally. just helps you focus yeah. or actualize yeah. stuff. So that... it's like the same as like a stress ball where you're squeezing yeah. it over and over again. Well, we know for a fact, I mean, crystals and, and, and other minerals and diamonds and stuff, they hold information. I mean, so, you know, we never know what's sort of imprinted on these minerals. I mean... Um, what but, do you mean by information? Um, who knows? Information could mean a bevy of things. Uh, experience, information, uh, you know... Uh, sort of the the history of how those minerals came to be that could be all wrapped up in there you know like it, those crystal skulls are sort of a phenomenon and they've they've experienced they've uh they've looked at those wasn't it? it was like the company xerox or something looked at those crystal skulls at the time and they found out that it could hold like terabytes and terabytes of information sort of like a computer chip kind of like superman yeah absolutely like uh silicon and and stuff like that mm-hmm. but that's and then definitely... there's also just holding a <clears throat> geological history yeah of the thing itself most definitely yeah yeah Yeah, that's still being studied and developed and i think not that far off actually is like a crystal computing like actually yeah that's exactly right yeah Yeah, Yeah. yeah, totally i think that's the future birds of prey yet i just saw it last night of that story that's true Mm -hmm. that's right and also when we went to uh contact in the desert last summer there was a guy selling Lemurian crystals yeah. who had a very shiny hat with one eye on it. Yeah, and really blew us off. Yeah, he, he did would, not want anything to do with really? the Bigfoot yeah, Collectors he, Club. Yeah, we wanted to talk to him about crystals, and he kept saying, sure, sure, and then he never... I think, he, to be fair, he was trying to sell crystals, so we were kind of getting in the way. <laughs> but he was talking about... He was claiming that there was like microscopic like binary code and stuff written down in these crystals. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I might be misunderstood that but that's basically how, what i thought that there was like literal like information and texts inside these ancient crystals that right. like gave secrets to humanity if you I, believe that the universe is a hologram yeah hey, hey I, i'm a fan of that one. yeah i yeah. dig it yeah. <laughs> i don't understand holograms they confuse me yeah, same <laughs> i I, I was what, a big fan of the cartoon Gem as a child. Though. Oh, Gem was great. You were really into rocks and precious stones. I well, I felt her spelled name a different is way. Gem. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't really. No, it was a holographic computer. What's the theory about the holographic universe? Do you know too much about? Not it? a lot. Uh, just that we're a projection. Yeah, we're like, a written projection. 
From where? What's the source it's projecting us? That's where I always get... A supercomputer inside a supercomputer inside yeah. a supercomputer <clears throat> ad infinitum. You just have to imagine like uh, where we are technologically that, a, that our technological advancements almost double every two years. And that's even going to get shorter as time progresses. So you, you just start to look ahead to the future that the computing power that, that is capable, uh, who's to say that, you know, uh, us from 100 years from now won't be able to create a simulation that is so realistic, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference whether I'm sitting here as an actual being or I'm an imprinted hologram. You know, that's that's sort of like computer simulation theory, right? Just to give you an example, there is more square miles in virtual reality than there are actual square miles on planet Earth. So computer software programmers and, and games and stuff encapsulate more. Oh, you mean like currently existing? Currently oh, existing gotcha. today. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there is actually more world created than the world we actually live in that's kind of cool and then it's it's astounding and then if you trace that back and even think about like all the books that have been written and all the virtual uh, real estate in stories Mm. you know if you look at something like middle earth like i'm sure somebody's figured out the square miles of middle earth or like narnia and all that stuff and if you added all of that up there's way more imaginary space than there or virtual space than there is actual physical space that makes sense yes that's really cool and then what about space in our dreams how about that (sighs) fucking liminal man (laughs) but (laughs) check your crystal it might be buzzing right now well excuse me that stuff i get i do get i I get that i guess i'm just holograms confuse me but i was playing the spider-man ps4 game last night and there was a moment where i was beating down some thugs in like Gramercy Park because it's basically like a whole virtual New York, right? New York. Yeah, and it was really weird. I had a moment where I was just Spider Man, like standing next to a trash can at a crosswalk, and the light was just right. And I was like, I had like one of those flashbacks <laughs> of really being in New. I was like, whoa, this is almost. I really do feel like I'm in New York all of a sudden. <laughs> and I was looking at it, and I had that thought, Bryce, about like, boy, oh boy. Just, it's not going to be too long before we can actually create stuff like this that fe- looks and feels like the real thing. Yeah. Well, Mike won't play Grand Theft Auto anymore because after in the game he uh, killed a character named Trevor, <laughs> he felt like really bad. Oh, about he killed it Trevor. He he was like. But like I'd gotten to know Trevor and Trevor had like (laughs) feelings and it felt real. And who's to say what Trevor thinks his reality is? But Trevor thinks it's real. And then I just killed him. He can't play it anymore. Yeah, but you can't kill Franklin. You had a choice to kill Franklin. Like you can't definitely can't kill Franklin. Franklin is cool. I don't think he definitely talks about Trevor. Trevor's an asshole. Yeah, but he's still and that's what he said. He's like, but like but like he, you know, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, you fucking deserved it, Trevor. He's just dying over and over <laughs> again. Very, in exactly. Version of the and game at work because uh, I ride on Infinity Train. We talk, and it's like sci-fi. We talk a lot about like, do the people in the stories know they're in a story? Mm-hmm. And then that's that's a big part of Grant Morrison's yeah, right. Animal Man. Mm-hmm. Are you like, you're a Grant Morrison fan? No, but Mike has talked oh, about okay, that. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and then he showed me some panels. I've read a, f- a few of the... I read his X-Men run, and I read mm. the All-Star Superman. I love All-Star um, Superman. Very interested 
in the other ones, but I have a very hard time reading comic books. Just the formatting. Oh, just because it's too Visual busy? Visual mixed with words and it's jumping all around. It's just like, it's, it's, it's for over. ADHD I find boys. it overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Of, of who Mike is one. Right. Um, Undiagnosed over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same. Both Mikes. Um, yeah. So the art. Would we know if we were in a story? No. Um, is it ethical what we do to the characters in our story? It's a great point. It's kind of terrifying. We think about that a lot in the writer's room. <laughs> like, we'll get in fights um, with, like, some of the storyboard artists will be like, how? But he's like, he didn't, you know, know any better. And this was the way he was raised. And it's like, we gave him so many chances. You don't even understand. We gave him chance after chance in the script. And he didn't take the way out. He kept making the same bad decision. <laughs> Like, and it really felt like that. It was like, no. And then he didn't. He kept going. So, you know what? He, you know, he dug his own grave. Well, this is echoing stuff that Grant Morrison talks about, actually. And one of the, I think this was in, oh boy, I can't remember the name of the book off the top of my head. I'll have to Google it. But, um, or in interviews, at least, he's talked about how, like, he says, um, all, like, the, you have the, your Marvel Universe in the comics and you have the DC Comics Universe. And he's like, look, these fictional realities are just as real, if not more real, than our own reality. He goes, you get to a point with these stories where these characters will only bend to a certain point, but then they have their own physical laws, their own laws of physics and everything in character and nature that you can't break. He's like, Superman doesn't kill people. He doesn't kill civilians. Batman doesn't use a gun, you know, and he's like, there are things that the char- that the characters themselves will just not do. You know what I mean? And you could argue, well, that's stupid. You could write a story, but that story will never be, it won't have, you know, you'd have to figure out a way to write that story and publish it that would make l- literal sense in Does that universe. Yeah. yeah. And he would talk about how when he writes comics or he writes, he interacts with the second dimension, which is the comic book reality. It's the second dimension. It's, you know, all on one, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's all points connected on a single plane or whatever. And then he would talk about this idea of putting on a fiction suit where he'd write himself into the comic. And he's basically visiting that reality as he's writing and interacting with those characters. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in his character in The Invisibles, he got really... Um, this character named King Mob got uh, at one point he's taken prisoner by these like interdimensional demons and they are torturing him. And as he was writing that, he got sick with this like flesh eating virus that almost killed him. Oh, and wow. he was in the hospital dying and the doctors didn't know what to do. And he made kind of like went, well, fuck, I, I'm doing this to myself in this comic. I yeah. got to get King Mob to break out of this prison. And so he wrote that in the story and suddenly he started getting better. Dude. And they and they did not understand why he was getting better. And so he, there's also this theory that goes along I think with everything and I'm sorry I'm rambling no. with what both no, of you are saying. No, this is entirely on topic. Right, which is there might be a consciousness interacting with us in the third dimension the way that Graham Morrison or we do interact with the second dimension in the fictional universe. Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. And so as above, so below, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, this is the shit that even though I'm like, I still can't 
picture. It's easier for me to picture a computer simulation than it is for a hol- than a hologram, I guess. Even though I, you know, I generally understand what it is, but I, this stuff, this is like this is the stuff I really think about and get into. But it's mind mind blowing. Like the uh, we know. are creators, you know, and I mean we imbue things with properties that 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 come alive themselves. You know exactly what you're talking about. There's other examples of that. I wish I knew the guy's name, but there was that priest who wrote this uh, book on demonology, and he he wanted to categorize all the uh, the demons, and he you know he didn't really have any paranormal experiences before that but as he's writing the book he became like haunted by these you know demon entities almost so much that he went insane you know so he really brought these things into his own life and to fruition you know crazy shit man who knows what's possible or what reality is even if this all sounds too off base like there the science is too real that like you can strengthen <coughs> neural pathways and that changes your reality. Mm-hmm. It changes how you think. It changes how you interact with the world. It changes your trauma. It changes your healing. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. And th- you can't deny that. So if that, it's like, if that, then what? Yeah, most definitely. It's strange. The book is called Super Gods by Graham Morrison. So yeah. If anybody wants to check it out. What masked vigilantes, miraculous mutants, and a sun god from Smallville can teach us about being human. Great read. Um, oh, man. I know. I just want to talk about this stuff now for the rest of the night. But mm. we have a game that we like to play, uh-huh. Lindsay. <sighs> Let's get to it. It's called Bullshit <laughs> or Believe It. All right, I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon. Love this production. And you are going to say, believe it, if you believe in it, or you're open to it. Okay. Bullshit, if the opposite is true. Okay. All right, here we go. I just have to scroll down if anybody wants to fill this uh, uh, void with any final thoughts about reality uh, while I pull up (laughs) the list. If if we're characters in someone else's novel, Mm -hmm. that novel is almost definitely self-published and (laughs) only available on their website. That feels true. Let's be honest. But what about all the books that are in his book that are awesome (laughs) books? Maybe, maybe I don't know. It's pretty wild. You know the what? universe is boundless. We don't need people to read us. We just need to be written. That's yeah. All right. I like that. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Lindsay K. Ty. Yes. On your mark. Okay. Get set. All right. Ghosts. Yes. Believe. Ble- believe it. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Little gray aliens. Out of body experiences. Believe it. Demonic possession. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Uh, yeah, believe it. Alien abductions. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Bullshit. Time travel. On the fence. Mothman. Bullshit. Reincarnation. Believe it. ESP. Believe it. Haunted houses. Believe it. The Illuminati. Bullshit. There's a face on Mars. Bullshit. Skunk ape. B- Bullshit. Heaven. Undecided. Hell. Undecided. Sea serpents. Bullshit. Pulcher- I will, they exist. We don't need them to be more than what they are. There <laughs> are demons in the ocean. Okay. We all know what they look like. Poltergeists. Believe it. Chupacabra. Uh, bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel universes. Believe it. The apocalypse. Uh, not as written in the Bible. Mm. 
Life after death. Believe it. Well wow. done. Well nice. done. You're more believe it than I thought. I don't know. Maybe. Well I, yeah. I, I'm realizing as you read that list, I was like, oh, like the only thing I don't believe in is whatever creatures people said they have Cryptids. seen. Cryptids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Really? Yeah. I, apparently. Yeah. That's based on how I was pattern. just answering. Yeah, yeah. 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 Why do you think that is? I am not sure. Hmm. Why can't they be? I think it, it's the difference between um, things are th- that are like esoteric versus flesh and blood yeah versus um sightings or what's the i'm always less interested in the alien stories than i am the ghost stories those are crazy some of the alien stories well they scare me certainly Mm. i don't disbelieve them but i'm not as drawn to learning about them sort of like people seeing things or the the contact ufo stories or the abduction stories i kind of believe all of them yeah but I don't Google them. Yeah. <laughs> Probably smart. Man. Uh, what scare, which scares you more, ghosts or aliens? Ghosts. Why? Because I think I believe in them a little more mm. than oh. aliens. Or I think it's a more common widespread, could happen anywhere kind of occurrence. Well, what's a ghost ever done to you? Scared me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I had... Like I think that they leave impressions in mm. the world that we don't know affect us. Mm. I'm afraid of being changed, or like wait, like with demonic possession or something. I'm afraid. Yeah, of that's like, where it gets freaky for yeah, me. Yeah, that scares me. I get scared of the idea of like there are invisible entities that latch on to. You know, you hear that in stories like, like mediums or psychics will sometimes be mm-hmm. like oh there's a thing yeah. that's attached itself to you and we got to get rid of that like mm. that that stuff yeah. freaks me out like yeah. almost a manifestation of a yeah. uh, a mood or an illness energies yeah yeah these energies i always, i do worry about get some crystals baby yeah, I guess Clear I have right to. Up. What yeah. pew, pew. That, reminds, <laughs> uh, that that brought me back to a question I wanted to ask you. What happens when you walk into a room and there's no crystals in there? Do you feel a difference? Like No. Cuz there's always a crystal no. where you go, obviously cuz yeah. you have them in your pockets, but like uh, you know what I mean? Like if you were to get or can you are you so attuned with it that you can feel a difference? No. Okay. No. Maybe so that might be a dumb question. People, trust faith I don't thing. think it's a dumb question, but mm. I am not like so attuned, I would say. Maybe mm. people are. Got it. I'm open to believing that that's that, a thing. That dude from Lemurian Crystals definitely is. <laughs> that guy really got to you. He uh, really did. I think about him at least <laughs> once a week. I think a it lot. works the same <laughs> yeah. the same way you were talking about with the with the comic book thing, right? Like sometimes I'll put like a talisman in my pocket or something, and I can't feel a physical difference. But it's the belief that I put in it that creates the difference, right? Sure. So it's like exactly. I'm projecting energy onto this whatever this little object, and so and so that actually can manif- manifest itself in a physical way. Do you have a good luck charm? <laughs> Bryce? I have a few talismans, yeah. What can you share what they are? Sure. I have uh I've been carrying around that orgone uh yep. pyramid thing in my pocket. That's pretty cool. Um I have certain coins that are special to me, a little frog, uh um Can I see the little frog? Do you have them here? I really lo- uh, no, I don't have them here. I'm not I actually I don't ha- I normally have it. I don't have anything on me today, but You know what? I'm about to blow everyone's mind. Do it. Do you know what a talisman is? What? 
a wedding ring can be a talisman. Yeah. Put a lot of energy and that. That's exactly right. That becomes real. Yeah. Yeah. It's a living symbol, right? That is cool. It's like that series Magical Egypt when when, when the guy discusses that all of those temples are talismans. You know, they're large living talismans. Um, it's a great series. Magical Egypt. Magical Egypt, oh, yeah. Check it out. Any <laughs> final thoughts about this list? Heaven, hell, undecided. Right. I think, again, it's like, I don't believe in heaven and hell as defined in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't believe places, in Bible yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. What about the apocalypse? Again, not as the Bible, but... I believe that there can be an end of the world. Right. Well, there will be one day. One day. For sure. Yeah, the question is, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the first time you've ever allowed an undecided to pass. You know what? I just didn't want to yell, Lindsay, I like her. So, I didn't know that wasn't gonna let totally you an option. I, the, but that makes a lot of sense because that's one, not one of the options that mm. you gave. You know, I'm just trying to be a little All right, bit looser. Say it again, I'll give an answer. Ever since <laughs> one again, of our I'll... reviews on Apple Podcasts is <laughs> that I bully. Never I'm a listen bully. to those. Never listen to those. I'm not a bully. <laughs> Don't I love do that. Bryce. You big jerk. Okay, give Bryce, me the undecided again. Wait, no, let's do it again. Like, let's do, because do, now cue I've the music decided you do, for myself. You do uh, bullshit, I'll believe it. And then you do undecided. All right. Let's try it. Bullshit or believe it or undecided. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right, like so that. here we go. Heaven. Bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. See, it's that easy. Yeah. The apocalypse. Bu- bullshit. Great. Done. Yeah. Yeah. That was I, it. Because what I needed to decide for myself that was keeping me on the fence is am I talking about an esoteric concept of heaven and yeah. hell in the apocalypse or am I thinking Bible? So I decided in those instances. That meant Bible. You got off the fence. Yeah. So yeah. no. Good for you. That's good. All right. Yeah. I like good it. For you. Mm-hmm. I Great. feel a sense of closure now. Yeah. I do too. I'm we can glad. move on. Yeah. We can move I'm on. Glad. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll be moving on. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Dying? All right, here's your pair. Here are your keds. Everyone, take a pair of keds <laughs> and a black robe. I want some more Kool Aid. We'll be moving on. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this is a time uh, in our show that we call High Strangeness. Story time. Story time, baby. Uh, so, Bryce, you have uh, this week's story of high strangeness. I do. And I don't know what it is. I'm excited. Yeah, to no, find it's a out. surprise for you, um, which is great. People love surprises. <laughs> You know, every now and then, instead of covering a story of high strangeness, I like to highlight an individual of high strangeness Mm. uh, who I think has brought us a little closer to understanding the strange mystery that seems to surround this planet, and more importantly, how this mystery affects our lives. Past subjects have included Harvard psychiatrist John E. Mack, who risked his reputation as well as his career to study the ever-perplexing abduction phenomenon. John Keel the famed Fortean investigator and author who introduced us to the men in black and gave us his unified field theory of the paranormal, telling us that somehow, someway, all this supernatural phenomenon is somehow connected. But there's one individual in particular who's been at the forefront of my fascination for quite some time now, a man who has traveled far and wide to bring back strange ideas and unusual truths for us to ponder, a counterculture phenom, whose formidable use of language could bend the mind. A man who challenged his skeptics on the authenticity of his claims by saying, why don't you just see for yourself? 
All it takes is five dried grams. I'm talking about none other than the magic mushroom man himself, Mr. Terrence McKenna. Whoa. Long overdue. It's difficult to try to encapsulate such an interesting individual in such a small amount of time, but it's got to be done. Do you know who Terrence McKenna is? The name sounds familiar. Great. Well, I'm going to fill you in. What can I say about the late, great Terrence McKenna? And what does he have to do with the world of high strangeness? Well, quite a lot, I would argue. Because if we truly want to get to the bottom of the rabbit hole and try and sort out the supernatural agencies that are at work on this planet, then we might want to look at the findings of ethnobotanist, author, lecturer, psychonaut, mycologist, mystic, and of course, explorer of the mind, Terence McKenna. So I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure, those of you who are listening now, uh, of listening to some of the hundreds of hours that are available on YouTube of Terence McKenna, but I highly recommend it. Once you get used to his voice, it can become quite intoxicating, hearing him seamlessly weave thoughts and ideas on history, art, shamanism, language, technology, consciousness, inner space, outer space, and of course, his deep fascination with the psychedelic experience. A fascination that would lead him to drinking ayahuasca in the Peruvian rainforests, smoking DMT alone in his tiny apartment with the lights out, and ingesting so many magic mushrooms that he discovered what he called novelty theory, which is basically an eschatological algorithm or chart that predicts times of great change in meaning, like the invention of fire, the birth of Christ, the printing press, the dawning of the age of Aquarius, and even the end times itself. And he figured this all out while he was high on mushrooms. I think it's important to state emphatically that I'm not advocating. <laughs> I just, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, uh-huh. but I just really enjoy that out of the corner of my eye, I saw Riley nodding. Pure delight. Oh boy! And you know, I don't want to advocate the use of psychedelic drugs. However, I do believe that we should have the right to explore our own consciousness. Take that how you will. Born on November 16, 1946, in a tiny Colorado cattle and coal mining town named Paonia, Terrence, along with his younger brother Dennis, were not like most kids their age. They were what you might call a little weird, a compliment by my standards. Growing up, Terrence was the persecuted bespectacled type, he wrote in his book True Hallucinations of His Childhood. My interest in drugs, magic, and the more obscure backwaters of natural history and theology gave me the interest profile of an eccentric Florentine prince rather than a kid growing up in the heartland of the United States in the late 50s. In his youth, Terence developed a hobby of fossil hunting, as well as chasing and cataloging butterflies, which is where he acquired his deep scientific appreciation of nature. He also became interested in psychology, reading Carl Jung's book Psychology and Alchemy at the age of 10. Well, I was more of a Judy Blume man myself. <laughs> At age 16, Super fudge. <laughs> McKenna moved to Los Altos, California to live with family friends and finish high school, where he was introduced to the literary world of psychedelics through The Doors of Perception in Heaven and Hell by Alda Huxley. McKenna said that one of his early psychedelic experiences with Morning Glory Seed showed him, hmm, there was something here worth pursuing. A daily cannabis smoker who took pleasure in pondering the macro and the micro. As above, so below, right? At age 18, in 1965, he enrolled at the University of California, Berkeley, and he was admitted to the Tussman Experimental College, 
a place for eclectics to discuss in depth the topics of the day. It was here where he had amassed a massive library of a thousand plus books. But like the great library of Alexandria, his library would be destroyed in a fire. And not once, but twice in his lifetime. After leaving his undergraduate studies and traveling around Europe and North Africa, Terence found himself in New York City. It was here that he talked about an idea his brother Dennis, whom he considered a genius, came up with, and how they could possibly merge hallucinogenic compounds into their DNA. Terence found the idea startling with a ring of truth that he couldn't ignore. And besides, he thought, with the political revolution becoming too murky, why not stop fucking around and go off and grapple with the DMT mystery? So he and his brother, along with two lady friends, planned a trip to South America. They would head to a place called (laughs) La Chorera in the Colombian Amazon in search of the DMT-containing plant Uki. And yet we do not know their names. Mm. <laughs> well, they Sorry. were... They the were uh, no, I mean, they were... Uh, you know, he used, he used pseudonyms. He, he used nom de guerre in his books, and I actually don't have their names. I think that one of them's name... That wasn't on you. I'm just right, saying right, that's yeah, on the no, world. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny how serendipity works, because, well, after a four-day walk through the jungle and having no luck... Terence, who was now starting to have second thoughts, looked down and realized his feet were covered in cow shit. And better yet, growing out of that cow shit were mushrooms. Stropharia cubensis, to be exact, better known as the magic mushroom. Holy shit, he thought, standing in the middle of a wild cow pasture. This shit was everywhere. Literally, they had hit the mushroom motherlode. On March 4th, 1971, the experiment began. Terence and his brother had their first Stropharia trips. Quote, I knew only that the mushroom was the best hallucinogen I had ever had, and that it had, a, it had a quality of aliveness I had never known before. Terence wrote in True Hallucinations, Quote, It seemed to open doorways into places I had assumed would always be closed to me because of my insistence on analysis and realism. The experiment involved using ayahuasca, psilocybin, and the human body's vocal cords and DNA to create... As Terence in True Hallucinations quoted his brother Dennis's journal entry from that day, a solid-state hyperdimensional circuit that is quadripartite in structure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to quote a line from Ghostbusters, yeah. tell him about the Twinkie, Ray. <laughs> so yeah, they were pretty much tripping balls, 24-7. <laughs> but I think it's important to mention here that these weren't just four deadhead hippies looking for a good time. No, these were serious students of science. They were looking for a breakthrough, to go on a quest in the spirit of imagination and exploration to investigate the capacities of psychedelic consciousness as well as the supernatural. They took meticulous notes and tested hypothesis after hypothesis, all while the mushrooms seemed to be speaking to them, revealing hidden things, impossible things from outside their knowledge source. It was as if a sentient alien consciousness had embedded itself in the most unlikely of places, a poisonous fungi, And Terence thought, what a clever secret cover. For if anyone had claimed that they were speaking with the gods, the logical conclusion would be, nah, man, you're just stoned. Once when Terra asked the mushroom, why hide your intelligence here? The mushroom jokingly responded, the rent is cheap. Just a little side note here that I thought you might find interesting. Fungus is hands down the most widespread organic compound on Earth. Neither plant nor animal, neither nat- neither natural to Earth nor alien to it, fungi are truly an underappreciated force of nature. 
that has had a billion years of experience doing the hard work of living, all the while setting the stage for plant and animal life to come. Just recently, news reports have puzzled scientists who have noticed that a type of black mushroom is absorbing radiation at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in Ukraine, which exploded in 1986. This type of fungus shows us that organisms, these organisms may also be living in environments where radiation is intense in the universe. In the universe. In other words, mushrooms have been here long before we got here, and they will be here long after we're gone. Now I want to be a mushroom. Make no mistake. Terrence (laughs) was convinced that through the psychedelic mushroom, he was in a dialogue with another intelligence who had access to hidden sources of information, information that Terrence vowed to bring back. Terrence returned to Berkeley in April that year, but went back three months later to La Chorera to gather spore Mm. prints and bring them back to America. Oh, let let that one slide. Five (laughs) years later in 1976, (laughs) an intriguing book appeared on the shelves of local bookstores and coffee houses simply titled Psilocybin, Magic Mushroom Grower's Guide by O.T. Ose and O.N. Oric. The book was written by the McKenna brothers under pen names. In less than 100 pages, it provided precise, no-fail instructions for growing and preserving Stropharia cubensis, the starborn magic mushroom. In the early 80s, Terrence began giving talks at the Esalon Institute at Big Sur, California, as well as other venues and events around the country. And even though he was received as part of the New Age movement, he recoiled at the idea. For in his estimation, New Age meant crystals, auras, oh, past life regressions, and channeling. Fucking this mushroom is an alien. Well, <laughs> I knew you'd like that part. Well, he thought, what are these people talking about? Why don't they try hallucinogenic drugs? Why and can't get we do to that? the real Sorry, <laughs> Can't we have both? <laughs> and of course, once he stated these opinions in a public forum, he became a fixture on the lecture circuit. And it was during these lectures where Terrence would often espouse a tantalizing hypothesis about the role of psychedelic mushrooms in our evolution. Much to the chagrin of dusty old academics, in a nutshell, he believed that psilocybin mushrooms were the evolutionary catalyst from which language, projective imagination, the arts, religion, philosophy, science, and all of human culture sprang. He called this theory the stoned ape theory. And given some thought, it makes quite a lot of sense. Terence would continue writing and lecturing as well as his explorations with psychedelic compounds and communing with the sentient energies found in plants. In essence, the McKenna brothers were essentially reenacting the shamanic method that had been practiced by indigenous peoples for thousands of years. Travel to the spirit world, bring back a boon. To Colonizers. Quote, <laughs> <laughs> to quote Terence. The vine of the dead, ayahuasca, is renowned for giving healers supernatural abilities, such as the ability to speak with the dead, with animals, and with plants, telepathic communication, curing physical, emotional, and spiritual ailments of all kinds, including addiction, and finally divination. Terence wrote, By entering the domain of plant intelligence, the shaman becomes, in a way, privileged to a higher dimensional perspective on experience. A particular fascination was in greeting the entities he encountered while smoking DMT or dimethyltryptamine, entities he liked to call the little machine elves that are made up of language who would come pouring over him like glowing little basketballs. That's like crystals, no. <laughs> <clears throat> Graham Morrison had an encounter with the machine elves in mm. Tibet. 
You know, it's interesting to note that the chemical compound DMT is also produced by our very own bodies, particularly within the pineal gland, a small pine cone-shaped gland found in the center of our brains. Rene Descartes called this tiny gland the seat of our soul. And the ancient Egyptians also had a particular fascination with this third eye. To learn more about the spiritual properties of this tiny molecule, check out our Bigfoot Collectors episode number 46, where we cover New Mexico professor Rick Strassman in his book, DMT, the spirit molecule. Strassman was the first person in the United States to undertake human research with psychedelic, hallucinogenic, or ethnogenic substances with his research on DMT. And his findings shocked him. Most, if not all of his subjects, described encounters with strange alien entities. I often think how much Terrence McKenna would have enjoyed reading Rick's incredible book. Unfortunately, on May 22, 1999, Terrence had a brain seizure and collapsed at his home from a rare form of brain cancer. He died on April 6, 2000 at the age of 53. So what do you think, Lindsay? Are aliens hiding in our mushrooms? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. And that's, you know, the story of, uh, of Terrence McKenna. Well done, dude. Thanks, man. And well done, Riley. Oh, oh my yeah, God. That was, yeah, that was trippy. That was that beautiful. That was having a real ASMR effect. Yeah, oh, right oh, totally. Right on. Nice. Good. He's been a big uh, hero of yours, hasn't he, Bryce? Terrence McKenna, you've talked about him on the show yeah, a absolute, number of times. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I just, uh, I, I like the way the dude thinks about all this stuff that people are, are, are purporting to experience. Um, he didn't believe in metallic beryllium ships from planet Zeta Reticuli coming and probing us up the anus with their metal probes uh he believed something else was going on something else entirely just real um, just like casually thrown out up the <laughs> anus like so just off the cut like too easily too, too easily. did not did not like truck it, with that it right, almost right. went by unnoticed <laughs> uh, it's funny what people are like no this is real that is not real like the believe it or bullshit yeah yeah um, so he had his own experiences you know he 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 was very much into the science of it. Um, he felt that this was the the consciousness journey that everyone should, that the real scientists were missing out on. He said, you know, so many of these scientists, they want to like try and study supernatural phenomena and they try and do it in a laboratory and they say, hey, this isn't repeatable. It doesn't work here. This is bullshit. And he's saying, it's repeatable. I can show you elves twice a day <laughs> on time, on target. All you have to do are punctual. is take the hero's dose. <laughs> yeah, they are very punctual, but um, yeah. I would very much like to try mushrooms. You haven't had any mushroom or psychedelic no, experiences? No. No. Pot doesn't agree with me. Mm. Would like to try mushrooms. Yeah. Would like to try a microdosing LSD. Oh, yeah. I, that's, I hear that that's really good for depression. Yeah, and yeah. creativity. Like mm-hmm. a lot of programmers use it and in, 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 in stuff to uh, to stay creative in their jobs. But Microdosing is a good... I'm not endorsing anything. Microdosing is a good place to start mm. um, because it takes the fear out of it. Yeah. Like, I think a big part of re- why people shy away from psychedelics is it's scary. Yeah. It is scary. And so if you start, if you just have a little taste of it, then you can start to understand it better and be like, oh, okay, this is, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of take it from there, you know? You know, God, just there, even the tinge of the taboo topic itself, there's like, you know, it's it, talking about it is just like, uh, you know, yeah. but, it, but at the same time, it's like alcohol, tobacco, sugar, red meat, all these things are, are, are legal and, you know, 
intoxicating to us on a daily basis. But why shouldn't we be exploring human consciousness? I mean, you know, people are afraid of stuff that's going to fiddle with their brains and their sense of reality. Yeah. They're afraid of going crazy. But every moment is a permanent change. Yeah. So can't really avoid that one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he was he was convinced that this that he wasn't just getting high. He wasn't just like this wasn't his own body producing these uh, effects and and having these conversations. Like he communing. he truly believed in plant intelligence. Yeah, and like uh, communicating with with a higher intelligence, perhaps from a higher dimension of some kind. Have you uh, either any anybody have you read uh, Daniel Pinchbeck? before his 2012 book yeah talks a lot about this kind of stuff too Mm -hmm. and i think he and both graham hancock in supernatural talk about like the idea of like the pan panspermia and like our dna coming off the like tail of a comet and that so even some of these like spores might have come from outer space that created created them you know um what was what were you saying about how it's neither terrestrial nor alien what what does that mean about fung fungi fungus yeah it's it's, so it's neither it's it's not natural to this earth and it's it's not (laughs) alien either so we're not exactly sure where uh, spores, molds, and f- all, all the spores, molds, and funguses come from. We just know that it's oh, been here fuck. on Earth uh, way before we got How here. How do they know it's not natural to Earth? I don't know. You know, I just pulled that off. I'd, I'd love to look into yeah. that more. I pulled up, uh, I think I Googled like fascinating things about the mushroom. Interesting. Yeah. I think what you said about how, you know, that thing where they found them eating the radiation in Chernobyl is yeah. like they live. They just live anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Unstoppable. They feed on death. Yeah. You know, no, so absolutely. Like, uh, I think that that's thing. a mistake people make when they're trying to get the general population to understand the urgency of climate change, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to uh, like Christians. It's like, yeah, people will be gone. The earth will be fine. Oh, totally. So yeah. every time you're like, Oh, God made the earth. It's like, yeah, we will be dead. Yeah, yeah. This thing We're, is going to be fine. Yeah, yeah, it will just take on a different form. That's a, Well, that's exactly it's right. It's our problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The earth is fine with changing. Well, and he We a, will be dead. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. And he was a big advocate for for the destruction of the rainforest. He was advocate for <laughs> this. This is a big fucking burn it down. Wow! Trees. Use what's in there for lumber. <laughs> These plants are talking to me. Kill Real them all. Real estate development. <laughs> More Kill coffee fields. <laughs> oh man! But you know, if if you haven't, and and I definitely recommend that you do. All you got to go to YouTube and just type in yeah. Terrence McKenna. You know, he became really part of the the rave culture too. They would they would put his long lectures, uh, which are really sort of just like. Uh, they're just they're just on a whole other level and they would put it behind their rave music and and people would just get fucking tripped out yeah i mean because he just takes you on a i mean the guy was a wordsmith he could just take you on a journey um and it's it's so so wonderful he's also so charming and humorous yes he's so self-deprecating and yeah yeah, absolutely we played a clip of his on our uh first christmas episode with uh betsy sidaro where he's talking about how santa and the elves are magic mushrooms yeah that's right oh yeah (laughs) that's right yeah yeah um when you asked me if i believe that there are alien mushrooms i said no just because i wouldn't necessarily call them aliens Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm it was a loaded question anyway, but yes. <laughs> it, was a, it was also a funny answer. Yeah, yeah. Good timing. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, it's training. strange. You know, I've only had, I've only done, I've 
I've had some experiences on mushroom and they've been very, very profound and spiritual, I guess, for lack of a better word. And, and, and predictive too. It's just very, there's some, there's some shit going on in there. Yeah. Um, it's hard it, to discount. It's hard to discount. I mean, it's just like, man, crazy. Love it. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks. Great yeah. job. Cool. Great work. I love you, Bryce. I love you too. Pleasure to listen to. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. Right I mean, that music, that voice. Come on, guys. Um, <laughs> Lindsay, K-Tide, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, like Bigfoot, where in the woods can you be found? Uh like if, if like, Bigfoot had well, social media, is that what we're getting? Much. Yeah, okay. that's, yeah, that's cool, what, cool, cool. what he's uh, doing there. It's just at Lindsay Katai on everything. Great. And yeah. how can we watch Infinity Train? I believe that you can go to the Cartoon Network app. Okay. If you have cable, you can watch it on demand. Okay, great. Or you can buy it on iTunes or Google Play or Amazon Prime. Um, I don't believe it is streaming for like on any of the services right now okay but it will be on hbo max when that comes out excellent and teen creeps of course yes if you're listening to this you can find teen creeps Mm -hmm. on your favorite podcast app yeah awesome it's a great show highly recommend it uh bryce anything to pluggy plug uh no not at the moment thank you for your emails and continuing our uh patreon we appreciate all the new uh patrons we'll be doing a listener file soon in fact we're going to uh ask Lindsay if she'd like to join us on the other side right after this episode oh that'd be fabulous oh great talk a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit more for a little um mini bonus episode awesome uh riley anything you're scrolling your phone spindrift is going out on a little tour and uh, we're going up the west coast and i'm so bad at dates that i'm trying to find (laughs) them in my phone uh we're gonna be out though from oh it's so close i can feel it ah there it is we're heading out on march 4th and we're going from california all the way up to Seattle. So we're just doing the West Coast run, which is one of my favorites. Oh, fantastic, dude. So, That'll be great. Oh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. So Sweet. if you're on the West Coast, please come to a Spindrift show. I promise you'll have fun. Fuck. Great. Love it. Nothing for me. Um, thanking Lindsay again. She'll be on the other side. So uh, go to patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club for $5 a month. You can join uh, uh, us over there in supporting the show and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. And then uh, if you want to write in your stories, Bigfoot Collectors Club at gmail.com. Uh, the Public store over at Campfire Media. You can get some merch. Go check out some of our t-shirts. We love you guys. Thank you. Until next week, I remain Michael McMillan for uh, Bigfoot Club. What am I saying? I remain Michael <laughs> McMillan for Bryce Johnson and Riley Bray. Good night. And go get regret. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. 
Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.